All right. So number one on your list in this article, 10 ways gym owners can improve ROI is increase your arm. So average revenue per member, what is this? So average revenue per member is just a mean average of what a person pays to come to your gym. Now we've been talking about this for a long time, but in, we just made it um, the biggest study of data in the micro gym industry that's ever been done. And more than 55% of micro gyms earn between 50 and a hundred dollars per month from their clients. Yes. That's not enough. Like that's the price of one personal training session period. And that person is probably seeing you 12 times, you know, in that month. So the, the number one thing that you can do is improve your ARM. So if, if you've got a hundred clients and they're each paying you, you know, a hundred bucks per month or whatever, and you can, you can bring that ARM up to 110 by selling personal training to some of them or nutrition coaching to some of them, or just raising your rates by 10 bucks. I mean, that's another, that's a $12,000 ROI per year. And that's net profit. Your expenses don't go up with that. Right. So, um, that goes straight to your bottom line and you can totally slam me on my math here, but you know, a hundred bucks or a hundred people paying $10 more per month for 12 months is $12,000 a year ROI right there. Yeah. Um, I, when I think about this, I think one of the reasons gym owners arm is so low is that they actually don't have confidence subconsciously in what they're doing to be willing to ask for the higher price. Um, too many times I've seen the reason they came up with the current way they charge is because they looked at the gyms around them and tried to find a number close to them. Had nothing to do with the services they offer, had nothing to do with the quality of what they do, had no comparison to your trainers being better than the gym down the street, had nothing to do with the actual physical space and all, none of that. They just, oh, you're charging $75? Okay, I'm going to charge 70 you know? Oh, yeah. Let's, let's race down to the bottom of the barrel. Um, so that's one of the problems. And I think uh, the other area I see is that they, they're not offering enough variety of services. It's like when I bought into my failing gym, they literally were doing group, group training. That was it. The, uh, the trainers at the time, when, when I introduced the idea that I'd like us to start doing personal training, um, just two of them said with their mouths, I'm offended that you're asking us to do this. <laughs> One of them was a games athlete. And I'm like, okay, so when, when are you moving out of the state? Like, let's get rid of wow. you as soon as possible. Um, and others were just burnt out, but like, it's just, uh, you really need a variety of services because like you said, raising your arm, you're selling personal training to some of them. Not all your members are going to want personal training. Not all your members are going to want nutrition, but some of them are going to want those different services. And then those stack up and that's how you end up raising your arm. Yep. It doesn't take much. You know, if you're charging a hundred dollars a month or if you have a hundred clients, it really does not take a lot to make a huge difference. So the, the second one is increasing your leg. Um, leg is length of engagement, which is a retention metric. And leg is really a measure of um, how well you deliver your service. So the average gym right now 
is only uh, only has a lag of about 7.8 months on average. Mm. That number is a little bit skewed. I mean, if you really want to dig into it, you should look at different cohorts and stuff. And people who are just signing up for a six-week challenge obviously pull that number down. But from a meta level, if you can increase um, everybody's length of engagement by three months, so the average client stays 11 months instead of eight months, that can earn you an extra $37,500 per year rolling. So um, yeah, if you've got 100 clients, they're paying you $125 per month. If each client stays three more months than they would have, that's a $37,500 difference. And it didn't cost you a cent in ad spend. It didn't take any more marketing on your part. Yeah, um, that's really good. And I love that we started with arm and leg. In my book, I kind of aggressively attack a metric called lifetime value of a client. Um, I actually abhor the way that most people look at that metric and the idea that you can actually focus on that metric and improve it is actually false. And I kind of lay it out in my book. And the reason is, is it was a metric created by marketers designed to convince you Oh, if your average client, if the lifetime value of your client is $2,000, then you should be willing to spend $1,999 to acquire that client. Um, Of course, a marketer would say that because they're not taking into consideration the coaches you paid to provide the service, your overhead that went into it. Um, But the reality is lifetime value of a client is... Um, the way the world, most of the world looks at it, they're just guessing. It's all guesstimates. Well, I think they're going to be this. I think they're going to be that. So I love the approach that you guys have taken with arm and leg because it's actual data and you can make decisions that improve either one. Lifetime value of a client, the better value is to multiply your arm by your leg. That is your true lifetime value of a client. And that metric I like. And I just wanted to make yeah. sure we we're talking about the same formula, right? Exactly. So if I can increase the average revenue per member, but I don't change the length of engagement, I've still increased my lifetime value for no additional work, right? No additional ad spend. Or if I can increase how long they stay with me, but my arm stays the same, in turn, the lifetime value of that client still improves. But you have to focus on one or the other because each number is pointing you in a different direction on where you need to focus in your gym. It could be you need to add another revenue service. It could be you need to figure out how to keep your clients more engaged and happy to stay with you. Like, so that's, I like to be able to focus down to that minute and find the actual root cause instead of just this blatant lifetime value of a client. Yeah, that's great, man. I I didn't put lifetime value in here, but there is another data point in there. So this is just for the nerds. But what you tend to find is that people with a higher ARM stick around longer because they're probably getting a service from you that's more one-on-one focused. And personal trainers have way better retention rates than any group class facility can have because of that one-on-one focus. So higher ARM does strongly correlate to a longer leg and a better lifetime value anyway. Um, The third one that I've got is increase your profit margin. And I actually mentioned you guys here, which is absolutely wonderful. I wrote this three weeks ago. So um, the, the key to increasing profit margin, John's the expert here, but the bottom line is like, it's not getting more clients. It's not making more revenue. It's 
having a plan and then just deciding to make more profit. Dot, dot, dot. There's my, there's my slow and low over the plate, John. Yeah. Um, it actually is that simple. I, when you think about profit margin, you know, we have to talk about Parkinson's law, which is what is really the problem as to why gym owners don't have great profit margin. Parkinson's law states the demand for something will expand to match the supply. The demand for something expands to match the supply. The way that applies to us as gym owners is if I have one bank account, my expenses will continue to increase to the level of cash I have available to spend inside of that bank account. And so that's where the profit first system comes into play. And we say, dude, we know you are already have commitments. You have certain things you need to be paying yourself owner's pay. You need to be giving yourself a quarterly profit distribution. You're going to have a tax obligation to your government, unfortunately, even though they suck at spending your money. We still have to legally do that. <laughs> you, have team, you have coaches and team members, like they're doing work. You're going to need to pay them. Um, and so we just say those obvious expenses, let's create a separate account for those, put money in them. Now, all of a sudden, when I look at my operating expense account, I've already taken out those big commitments, the important ones, like paying yourself as a gym owner. Um, now that I've pulled those out, it's okay that my expenses are going to expand to match the cash available in my operating expense account because I've already isolated the other dollars and they're protected. They have boundaries around it. Um, that is a great way to increase your profit margin. Yeah. And honestly, man, that's where I gave myself my first race was when I read the original profit first book. Um, so the, the fourth way to improve your ROI is actually closely related to this. And it's, if you want to pay your staff more, grow the pie for them instead of giving them a bigger slice of a tiny little pie. And a lot of gym owners make this mistake. I'm going to give my, my coaches 70% of the personal training business that they do. And then the coach does like one or two clients. If you change the responsibilities and you say, I'm going to pay the coach 44%, but I'm going to feed them the personal training clients. I'm going to pay myself, you know, the gym, what it's worth to generate personal training clients. They're going to actually make a lot more money. And uh, you can even raise your personal training rate. So they're getting paid the same amount per hour but you'll be incentivized to bring them more clients. And that's really what the four nights model and entrepreneurship is all about is growing the pie, everybody doing their best work instead of, you know, I'll give you a big percentage of nothing. Yeah. And that, that's really interesting. Um, Cause I know there's others in the industry who don't like your four nights model. Um, it, mathematically it works. And I have analyzed financially fit gyms and I did it for my book and uh, spoiler alert, financially fit gyms as a percentage of revenue actually pay their coaches less than 44%, which is four nines. Uh, they're actually around 25%. Um, and, and their staff is happy and they're professionals and they make a living. Um, you know, when I was thinking, when you were talking about this, what came to mind was we have to also think about the skill sets, right? Like, like you mentioned, if you're giving a 70-30 split, the whole job of growing their client base has to be on their shoulders in order for that to make sense. But their skill set is being an amazing personal trainer, not marketing, not bringing in leads, not necessarily closing the lead. So if you're going to take that off of their plate, 
it makes sense that you're the one compensated for doing that work. And that's effectively what the four nines model is saying. Like, look, we're going to let you focus on just showing up and teaching uh, these people and training them and obviously do a good job and retain them. And you're great. But all the other stuff we take off your plate. In fact, we have the risk in the equipment, like everything. And so um, it's worth noting that that is kind of why this model makes sense. Certainly, I know in our gym, if we have a coach who wants to take on the building, the business side of it, they do get more than four nights because they're, there's, that's work now that we don't have to do. But at the same time, they still don't have the same skill set you usually have as the gym owner. Yeah. In my experience, the greatest favor that you can do for them is to take on all the stuff that they don't know how to do. I mean, most of us can't figure out marketing. Why abdicate it to somebody who has no clue, right? 